This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. You can also find the other podcasts from ObsessiveViewer.com at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. We have Anthology, which is my uh, solo side project podcast, where I talk about The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. That that is at um, obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts, as well as at anthologypod.com. And you can find our spinoff podcast, Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower and Stephen King podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts and at towerjunkiespod.com. And thank you to this week's sponsor, uh, Horror Movie Yearbook, for sponsoring this week's episode once again. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at HM Yearbook and on the internets at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. They are a podcast from the Midwest Podcast Network that takes three, uh, usually three horror movies from the same year and contextualizes them and reviews them uh uh, within the context of the year that they came out in, and pop culture and current events of that year. You can find that again at HM Yearbook on Twitter and HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And yes, so this week is kind of an interesting episode. Tiny, how's it going? It's magnificent. Good. That's great. That's fantastic. Magnificent 7. Yeah. We're not going to be talking one about that. One of Matt's favorite movies of 2016 not so much or well, was it 17 i don't even know i think it was 20 it was 2016. 2016 and to be fair i wasn't too i didn't hate it but it i think the only reason why i actually enjoyed it is because i just love that story so much yeah completely so, unnecessary remake yeah oh absolutely yeah. oh yeah so anyway this week's episode we are talking about one of would you say it's one of the defining true crime stories of our time oh definitive 100 yeah. 100 <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love that i love that so much <laughs> jesus christ um, i really wish i would have sent you a text today and just said hey with two y's <laughs> um, yes yeah anyway we're talking about netflix the netflix original series uh american vandal which is on netflix now it is a satire of Modern true crime uh, series such as uh, Making a Murderer and Serial and um, uh, The Jinx a little bit. The Keepers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I totally forgot. We were supposed to record. We were supposed to review that and I just never watched it. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. we did review it. Nope. Man. Nope. Yeah. I uh, kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. Anyway. You did. Um, yeah. no. <laughs> I've been super busy lately. Um, anyway, um, American Vandal is a true crime satire that explores the aftermath of a costly high school prank that left 27 faculty vehicles, faculty cars, <laughs> vandalized with phallic images. So, Tiny, I lobbied pretty heavily for us to review this, uh, to review this short eight episode series mm-hmm. on Netflix and my kind of, What's the word I'm looking for? My kind of, uh, uh, my take on it or my proposal for it 
was that we should watch it because I am very interested in the trailer and I was not sure if it would be able to sustain itself for eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the trailer, how did you feel about it and how did you feel about my incessant nagging to review it? <laughs> I felt a very similar notion because I thought nice. I was curious about it on multiple levels. Because again, I, I, I agree. I don't know if you could really sustain over eight episodes. I don't know. Like this mm-hmm. sounds like a good idea. But would it actually work in practice? You know, mm-hmm. one of those deals. So I was curious, and plus I thought it looked funny. I thought I thought yeah. it looked funny. I think it's a funny idea. Um, so yeah, I was in all the way. I wanted to watch it too um, when I saw the previews. So um, yeah, then the trailer, the trailer made it look pretty good. Like it, the trailer mm-hmm. was like serious, <laughs> and that's what made it so funny. Like so, oh, I was yeah. like, okay, if they can do some of that in the series, then I think they might be successful. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was totally, I was totally involved or totally uh, on board. Yeah, absolutely. And I was super excited for it just because that trailer just looked so ridiculous and funny and I was very curious by it. I found out kind of later in the run of it while when I was about halfway through that apparently um I don't know if I don't know if the creators of it are are included in this, but a lot of the actors are like Vine superstars. And huh. like web, like web series famous essentially. Right. Which I always, like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna come across, but I am going to sound like an old man because I just don't get it. Um, I don't, like, it's not that I don't get like internet sensations or anything like that. I just, it's such a weird concept to me to see like YouTubers and like people from Vine, like, be so massively famous, like more famous than traditional Hollywood superstars. It's just people that we respect. Yeah, well, yeah. Like we see him on TV, like man, it's a great actor. I hope he does really well. And then like some some dude who whips his dick out on Vine, right? Yeah, yeah is exactly. more famous than that person. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a it's kind of a sign of the times, and it's kind of just kind of where media is going these days. And there's a lar- there's a longer discussion to be had about it, but I just kind of. I don't know. It just feels so weird that after, after knowing about the, not knowing intimately the ins and outs of, of the Hollywood industry or anything, but just seeing it being subverted in such a way by people that are going a different route. Like I, I can respect that for sure. It's just, I have this weird old man bias because I, I'm 31. Shit. I'm 31 years old. You are. I have to keep reminding myself of that. I'm 31. <laughs> and I just, I, that wave of media, um, um, con, uh, con, consummation, <laughs> um, <laughs> that wave of that, that particular brand of, of media just come, I completely passed by me. I, I passed by it in my travels around the, the world. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So apparently like the main guy, the, the guy that plays Dylan is, is from Vine and a bunch of other of the kids are you know, like people from, from Vine and YouTube and stuff. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I didn't either, but good huh. on them. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not that I disagree with you. It's just mm-hmm. that I'm actually a pretty big, pretty big proponent of YouTube and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I actually, I probably watch like five to 10 hours of YouTube a week. Yeah. So I mean, I Do just, you- like, do you follow like specific channels that have? I certain- do, but none of them are like entertainment stuff like this. Like, I didn't, I didn't know who any of these people were. Okay. So like, and like, I, I only watch Vine sparingly. Mm-hmm. Um, like that Logan Paul guy is pretty funny. Sure. Um. Yeah. Vine's uh, dead now, anyways. So. Right. It is. I just, I just don't. I just, I don't know. My perspective of it is just, it's the idea of Vine is like, oh, let's make the national 
the national uh, uh, memory span even shorter. Yeah, that's true. That's that's kind of what just bugs me a little bit. I don't know. I appreciated the cre- creativity of it. You have to cram sure. cram something into seven seconds or whatever it mm-hmm. was, something like that. Sure, um, sure. So I kind of appreciated that. But uh, yeah. and you know, if the person's genuinely talented, then let's go for it. You know? Right. Like some of these. I don't know which one of these kids are actually vying kids in the in the show, but yeah, uh, I but I, I thought everybody did a pretty good job in it. So me too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so to kind of circle back, like, what did you actually think of the of the series when you watched it? Like, did you did you feel like it held up throughout the eight episodes? Um, did you feel bored at all? Like, how did you feel overall about American Vandal? And then we can go into spoilers at a later time in the recording. Sure. Yeah. The the broad strokes, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's funny because I found myself forgetting that it was a comedy <laughs> and I just kind of got into the whole mystery. I was like, who did draw the dicks, <laughs> you know, and I'm actually getting into it, but then they would like bring it back and mm-hmm. like, they'd show a clip from the YouTube channel or something and it would yeah. be like nuns humping trees or something. Um, and I was like, God, that's so stupid. And I kind of laughed to myself. So it was, uh, I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job balancing that. Cause I was, I was like genuinely curious who drew the dicks. Right. <laughs> um, I, I genuinely wanted to know they, they actually, they actually <laughs> captured that mystery relatively well for a, sure. for a stupid, funny, uh, mini series. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I kind of bounced back and forth between those two, those two sentiments throughout it. Um, and I found myself enjoying that. I think making it a half hour was a great choice. If it was oh, a yeah. 45 minutes, like making a murder, it was 45 minutes, right. wasn't it? Yeah. Or an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked for that series. I'm not saying you can't do that, but for this, keeping it half hour short and sweet, I think really, really, uh, worked because you could definitely overplay your hand. Oh, yeah. With something like this. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I, I don't know if they could, uh, turn it into a full on series or right. like keep it going for multiple seasons or any of that. Like mm-hmm. it needs to. They need to, uh, understand their limits. I'll put it that right. way. Right. I um, feel like. Any, and we may be building, uh, we may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I feel like any attempt at a season two would have to, I don't know, I just feel like they, the novelty is, will be gone, so they would yes. need to do something more unique. Right. Um, how about you? Yeah, so my overall thoughts was that this was a very compulsively watchable miniseries, mm-hmm. and it was really entertaining, and it, I mean, I had a blast watching it. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, there were parts of it that just went a little bit too stupid, but for every one of those, it, it was like the actual comedy beats, the other comedy beats really landed really well for me. And it was, it was not only a satire of like true crime stories and everything, but it felt like an authentic, an authentic satire. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but an authentic satire of high school, like modern day high school life and, and, you know, popularity and gossip and stuff like that. And it was really interesting because it came, it felt like it came from a place of, a place of knowledge. Like, yeah, this is how, this is how high school is. It's not like an indictment of high school life or teenagers or millennials or anything like that, but they got the bits and pieces of being, of being a, a teenager, I assume again, I'm 31. Um, <laughs> they got that down really well in the whole idea of gossiping and, 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 uh, people hooking up with other people. And it's just, it's a really, it was a really entertaining way. And like the money they threw at it, I don't like, I don't know the production or anything, but like they treated it probably the, the show's best, best thing about it. The best thing about American Vandal is that it was played so straight throughout the entire run. Yeah. 
And even to the point that they had like the, like the computer generated like diagrams and, and, uh, <laughs> blueprints of like scenarios and like, of like, like seeing like a computer generated rendering of a kid getting jerked off at camp. Yeah. Is like freaking hilarious to me. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> and it's just the way that they analyzed everything. They took it so seriously and it was so, it was just so entertaining. And a lot of the characters, I just, I really got a bit of an affinity for. Like the, there were a few characters that we'll talk about in spoilers because I don't want to spoil anything, but they, they would, they would plant certain things earlier in the show and then they would pay off a little bit later and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't necessarily be like an in your face, like, Oh, now this character is doing this. It's, it was a more kind of not necessarily, I don't want to say subtle, but it was an understated kind of reveal of certain things and how, how certain characters, um, how certain things affect certain characters within the, within the narrative of it. It's just, it was a really entertaining entertaining uh miniseries and i just i just i found myself laughing at the sheer stupidity of it and at the sheer stupidity of it and how honest it was being portrayed (laughs) i uh i really enjoyed it nice yeah um so let's see is there anything else to talk about in broad strokes um i don't know i don't think so i don't think so either um yeah uh yeah well let's talk a little bit about the performances like how did you feel about the the performances because i've never seen really anyone in anything else although the guy who played dylan's stepdad i immediately recognized him from an episode of friends from like 90 uh that was probably 98 99 wow um he played a fan of phoebe's oh actually i think it was no it wasn't that episode um uh, he played a fan of Phoebe's when, or Phoebe's sister when the gang found out that Phoebe's sister does porn. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I recognized him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought the performances were great. I mean, um, and it's cool how like this, you got, you got like a look behind the camera kind of thing. Like, part, mm-hmm. I think as the series progressed, they kind of, the filmmakers, quote unquote, turned the camera around on themselves. And so like, mm-hmm. you get to see those kids and stuff. And that was all funny. Like I just, yeah, I thought, I thought everybody did a pretty good job. Um, I can't, I can't point to any performances where I was like, you could really tell that like this kid just, you know, made his, uh, got his, earned his stripes on Vine. Right. Like I don't think any of that like stuck out to me. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty funny. And I think it's, I think it's challenging challenging performances to like have a camera right in your face like interview style oh yeah and trying to like create a character that way because i mean there's just you don't get help from anywhere you have to like turn into a character and really really dig deep for that so i Mm. I really respected the the performances from that from that aspect um yeah and even the i feel like a lot of um a lot of the adults Mm. like the teachers and stuff and parents and whatnot would have like like the adult actors would have like kind of scoffed at something like this, been like, "This is pretty fucking stupid," or like, yeah. you know, like a kid, this kid like films himself on his phone, and now he's in this fucking production. Like, what are we talking about here? And it's like, I, I feel like a lot of the parents or like the the adults could have been like phoning it in, or like very uh, yeah. unenthusiastic about mm-hmm. it. But, Maybe not get it. 
Right. Yeah. But they were some of the best parts, especially the, the teacher who was like a dumbass and it was like, uh, <laughs> uh Mr. Kraz. Kraz, yeah. He, he may have been my favorite character. Yeah. It was just, uh, so great. Such an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I thought it was, I can't, I can't point to anything. I can't point to anything that was not good or I can't point to anything mm-hmm. that was like especially great either. Like I don't right. really, I feel like there's, there was like kind of a breakup scene that I thought was actually like pretty well done. And like, I was kind of surprised at the, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? The uh, emotion, emotion, the, the, how genuine it was, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the, there's, there's, there were a few good parts. There were a few parts like that, that I was kind of like, oh, this is pretty legit, but, um, yeah, it was good. I, I can't, I can't, uh, emphasize or point to anything that really jumped out on either side of the spectrum but yeah everything was pretty good nice um i you know and i'm kind of the same way um i would say like kraz like i said is that character was just a delight like he was uh he was really um funny yeah and one of the things that i really enjoyed about the entire series was the way that they depicted the interactions between the kids and the adults like there's a scene where uh the the documentarian Peter Maldonado uh played by Tyler Alvarez is uh he, I think it's like the first scene where he interviews one of the teachers about the the incident and then it's like very like he he's trying to do this whole reporter kind of thing but it's very clear like she like she's a teacher and he's a student so mm-hmm. she immediately immediately like kind of in a subtle way puts her foot down and like asserts her her dominance as a as an authority figure yeah and then like he just like the way that the characters that the, that the child characters um or the teenagers the way that they would recoil and kind of kind of backtrack a little bit in it within themselves i think that that was that was a nice like layer to put to their performances cuz like he would come at her with with what would be the start of like a hard hitting interview thing. And then she would be like, excuse me. And then he'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just, I meant the, uh, the phallic shapes on the, on the cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very, very, very funny to see like the, the teachers kind of disarming the, the, the teenager characters. True. Yeah. Um, I didn't think throughout of that. The series. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, obviously, the story takes some twists and turns. Yes. Um, there may or may not be an appearance by Kiefer Sutherland. There wasn't, <laughs> but that whole part, that God damn it! <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah the the whole story centers around the character of Dylan Maxwell, uh, played by Jimmy Tatro, who I think he comes from Vine. Okay. Um, he is um accused of being uh the perpetrator of the uh vandalism he's accused of drawing the dicks and he is thus uh as a result he's expelled so the whole documentary is about uh or the mockumentary is about trying to prove his innocence and and get to the truth but there's a lot to it like like he has his whole whole little group of friends the <laughs> the wayback boys <laughs> that are so like super super like stoner burnout characters that are really stupid mm-hmm. um and then like when when one of the like biggest pieces of the entire like case is that like the alibi of the main character of the of the accused character is that he is uh 
is that he was prank calling an older like conspiracy there's nut job yeah. guy like it's it's such a blast to watch this the show yeah um yeah and then there's there's some kind of side characters like uh um there's some interesting stuff with uh sam eckland uh, and Peter Maldonado as the kind of co-producers of the documentary, as well as their transportation person, <laughs> Gabby. Yeah. Um, I really liked their, their dynamic and, and how it went to that. Um, how it went through, went through that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can't really, can't really say that much more without going into spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, so let, let's just go ahead and do that. If you haven't watched American Vandal yet, uh, go and watch it because it's fun. It's a, it's an eight episode series that'll you'll burn through it really quickly. And uh, it's on Netflix. And if you uh, don't want to be spoiled, go and check it out, and then uh, come back and listen to us. If you don't mind spoiling, then you know uh, just keep listening. I'll play a clip from the trailer to uh, get us to the. Spoiler section. It is a shocking scene for Hanover High teachers today. The vandal spray painted obscene images on 27 cars. Oh my God. I'll never understand what's so amusing about penises. Everyone thinks I did it. Everyone. Dylan definitely did it. Of course he did it. He's like a known dick drawer. Another day, another dick. The evidence, it's overwhelming. I spoke to expel Dylan Maxwell for vandalizing the vehicles. My name is Peter Maldonado, and I believe there are legitimate arguments for Dylan's innocence. Ball hairs. The ball hairs. They're different. It's just one piece of the puzzle. This is going to take way more than just ball hairs. They say he deleted the security footage. There's no way. He is the stupidest kid I've ever known. He was trying to convince you some sort of conspiracy. Just a second one. Oh my god! So tiny spoilers on for American Vandal. What did you think about this this landmark case? Like in the in the extended potpourri that we're going to probably be playing at the end of this episode, you talked a lot about the legal precedent of the the Unabomber case. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the legal precedent of <laughs> of drawing dicks on cars? Um, you know, it's like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, no, I thought it was, it was genuinely pretty interesting. Like there's this whole, there's this whole, you know, like, oh, the, this footage was deleted and it's like, mm. who has alibis? And, you know, there's like a whole, like, there's a whole, uh, cornucopia of information that like mm-hmm. they dive into all this detail and like, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's funny how much detail went into, such a dumb story (laughs) or something that's so dumb. Like that's Mm -hmm. part of the comedy of it is, um, they, the, the, um, the part where they figured out how long it would take to draw each dick on the car. I mean, that, how do you think of that? That was just so funny. Um, although it was a little (laughs) bit reminiscent of a scene from Silicon Valley. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Also involving dicks. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, that stuff. And then like the whole, the whole like you know high school thing of like who's sleeping with who mm-hmm. did Alex Trimboli really get a hand job from the <laughs> hot girl Sarah Pearson Sarah Pearson yeah yeah like 
that was funny. like my favorite thing. Like, yeah. the whole conceit of the documentary of, or of the show is that it's, it's making, it's, it's satirizing the documentary, true crime documentary. So, I mean, obviously all of it's fictional, but like the, the lengths that they went to to make it seem like a genuine, a genuine like case and a genuine story, like they didn't have to go through that much detail. Like, yeah. And it's, it's funny because that's something that like did Alex Stromboli really get a, a hand job from the hottest girl in school <laughs> at camp. Like that's something that teenagers would really be curious about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. And also, did he really drink 11 beers? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. And that guy, like that actor, um, I, like <laughs> I hated him so much. I, know. Like, I just wanted to punch him so hard. I even hate his name, Alex Tremboli. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I love, I loved some of the, some of the names mm-hmm. of the characters. Cause like, I feel like, I feel like character names in movies are not very realistic a lot of the time. Right. Because people have like weird ass names. Yeah. They're like third, you know, second, third, fourth generation immigrants and they mm. like don't change their names or whatever. So like Trimboli's a weird name. Like right. you don't see a lot of people named Trimboli or yeah. like, um, even like Peter Maldonado. Like that's, right. <laughs> that's like a goofy ass name. Mm. Um, so I thought that was, just oddly realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you talk about someone, like when you make a friend at college and there, he, he talks to another friend from that he went to high school with. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about someone they went to high school with. Like you hear their name. It's like, that is such like a high school friend's name. Oh yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Just like some complicated last name that like, right. if we saw it spelled out, we would have no idea how to pronounce it. Sure. But like, because those people know that person, they know how to pronounce that person's name. I don't know if I'm really right. doing it justice, but like that's, yeah, like there's people we went to high school with who have really goofy names. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. That's just, that was one of those details that I appreciated. So, sure. Yeah. The actor who played Alex Tromboli was a uh, Calum Worthy. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and like the, the effort that the story goes through to really show a bunch of different sides to it, like it didn't feel like it was dragging away from the main, topic or from the main show or anything it just felt like it was i wouldn't say organic it just felt like it was very much like uh it it didn't seem to lag behind that much Mm -hmm. um let's see and then so and there was kind of some endearing parts to it like uh sam and and gabby i thought that was kind of sweet yeah um yeah and like like that's one of those things that's it's like he, you want to hit him for how stupid he is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a very genuine, like, teen awkwardness thing. And, like, the turn of Coach Rafferty actually being kind of a, kind of a decent dude. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, th- I thought that that was kind of nice, but. Totally. Yeah. But Mr. Kraz, like, I, I kind of howled with laughter when it was after the show premiered and quote unquote premiered and everyone had seen it. And then the show started delving into the kind of cultural like status of it. And then you see him just talking about, yeah, I kind of wish I kind of thought that it was just going to be for you guys. And I didn't really want, I probably shouldn't have said those things. Yeah. And then cut to like an episode or two later and he's in a garage and it just says, uh, Kraz. And then it says ex teacher. And I'm just like, that's, that's, 
That's great. Yeah. That's just that is a perfectly landed joke for me. <laughs> totally. Um so funny. <laughs> that and then um yeah, just the way that it the way that they tracked the the paint this the paint can through the party yeah. was like that that I thought was really clever. Yeah. Um just because and granted obviously they're making it up because you know it's a, it's fictional but right. just like to to utilize like social media and like current age technology, I guess, to, to kind of track something, um, at a party where everyone has a cell phone and stuff is really, really pretty clever. And, uh, right. I thought that was, that was done pretty well. Yeah. And the whole splatter from the paint. And yeah. Everything. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did you notice there's a, they show footage a couple times of coach Rafferty winning teacher of the year. Mm hmm. And did you notice during that, that, like when they announce that he's teacher of the year, Mr. Krabs like gets up and like throws his hands in the air and walks off. Stage. I think I did notice that. Like yes. he wanted to win. Right. <laughs> that just made me laugh because it's never explained as far right. as I know. It was never explained. And it's still fitting with him because he yes. wants to be liked by his students so badly. Right. right. <gasps> oh, Ugh. it's so great. Yeah. That was, that made me laugh really hard. Yeah. That and, uh, the one thing that I kind of thought was like, okay, this is a little stupid, even for this show's taste, was the, uh, part where Sam, like, where Peter, first of all, well, let's not, I'll get to that in a second, but when Peter has Sam consider him as a suspect. Right. And so he basically has this kind of funny, like, uh, he's obsessed with dicks and that's why he yeah. did it. Like, I thought, like, that whole thing, I was just like, okay, come on, American <laughs> Vandal, you're a little bit better than this. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was pretty great. Really? Yeah. I just thought, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a little too stupid. Okay. But, but yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm pretty stupid. Um, so. well, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. It's uh, <laughs> like week before your wedding, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 10 days booze counting. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just remember Greg saying, like, there's still time. Yeah. He did. <laughs> he did. Yes. Anyway, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, and that, and then I, I really couldn't stand the character of Peter Maldonado because oh, really? he was, like, not, the actor did a fine job, just I, that character, I was just like, like, he was taking it so seriously, mm -hmm. and I could feel the, um, I could, I could feel the, the tension of the other, the other characters around him. Yeah. And like that just, that made me a little uncomfortable and made me just want to just like tell him like, dude, chill out. <laughs> like, yeah. Like calm down. <laughs> um, but I thought that was, that was effective though. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, so who do yeah. you think drew the dicks? Well, the show does kind of leave it somewhat ambiguous. Yes. But I think without question, it was definitely uh Krista Carlisle. Yeah, totally. Um, totally that bitch. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um she reminded me so much of someone. Really? And I can't put my finger on it. Um hmm. maybe a oh, 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 a little she reminded me just faintly of of Brie Larson a little bit. Okay, I can see that a little bit. Yeah. But um but yeah, I I liked how that was kind of revealed. I thought it was a little a little easy for them to reveal it as like, oh, she doesn't, she didn't have her CPR certification and everything. But I liked the way that it all came together, and uh, the fact that she waited until after graduation to to do the interview was like that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, um, totally. I thought that was cool. Totes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, did you have any like theories up until the end? Um, 
I kind of thought that it might have been um, one of the Wayback Boys mm-hmm. who did it. I don't know why, but I just kind of thought it was. And I, I knew that Dylan's girlfriend, Mackenzie, was going to play a bigger part later mm-hmm. on. I was like, she's got to be involved more in some way. Right. Um, but I didn't have like, oh, it's definitely this person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just I, kind of along for the ride. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually not very good at picking yeah. that stuff out. And I was kind of the same way. Yeah. I did think that the kind of reveal that Mackenzie was cheating on him, mm-hmm. uh, was like, I thought that that was really, really well done. Yeah. And like kind of um, heartbreaking. I mean, a little bit. Dylan's a, he, like the character is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's not like a bad guy. Right. Like he's, he's kind of like a sweet kid, you know, like, yeah. Jenny, when it comes to their relationship, he's kind of like a sweet kid. And mm-hmm. so, like, that was messed up, you know. I, oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that. I felt bad for the guy. Me too. That and also when they're at the party and he they watch American Vandal and they just see like the beginning of it. Yeah, that made me feel so bad for him. I know. Me too. I, that was really that was really well done. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but Totes. but yeah, he is a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the statement that it made about crime and, and the criminal justice system at the end that he yes. went back and, and drew the dicks again. Yes. Or drew the dicks of the first time. Very much uh, shades of of uh, the night of. Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, although even more tragic. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so many dicks. So many dicks. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a short review, but I mean... How much detail can you get into? Really? I know. Like well, what did you it? think of the ball hairs? I mean, <laughs> the ball hairs. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitive evidence. If well, you ask yeah, me. absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Um, in lieu, so so since this is kind of a shorter review, I think probably, um, we actually have an extended potpourri section that we'll we'll roll out here in a bit. But, um, kind of our final thoughts on American Vandal. Do you want to see a second season? Do you think that they could achieve a second season? Uh, I really don't want to see it. No, I, because I, I, I don't want to see it because I don't think they could pull it off. Mm. I think it would take it. It'd be taking it too far. Like mm-hmm. this, this joke only has so much, only has so many legs. Yeah, you know what I mean. It only has so much uh, momentum before it starts getting too stupid, right? Um, and unsustainable. So, um, no, I don't want to see more. I think if they did more fake true crime stuff, mm-hmm. like a different case, if you will, or right. something. Like that would be funny, like American Horror Story style. Right. Um that that could be funny. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd definitely watch a second season if they did a different case or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know how they would do it, but Like not at the same school or anything, just like a completely but again it had to right. be with the title it had to be another vandalism case, which would be kinda of stupid. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that and know. also it just kinda of seems like I don't know, I <laughs> kinda of seems like they blew their wad. Yeah. Um because you can't get more stupid than spray painting genitalia on on yeah. cars like i don't know how they could how could how they, like they set the bar too high with the dicks yeah um <laughs> and i don't know how they can how they can you know i jump agree over that yeah but who knows yeah but they did do a very good job with the first season yep and uh uh, there's a lot of talented people involved, so hopefully they get some more recognition and stuff outside of the internets. Totes my goats. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we are going to go into an extended potpourri that was previously recorded like a few weeks ago. Um, but before we do that, we actually do have a real time potpourri, 
for us. But first, this weekend, guys, is Shocktober in Irvington, Friday, October 6th. We did change the venue. Um, the, all the details are on the event page. You can find the links in the show notes. Um, but yeah, we changed the venue to this great little sp- uh, space in Irvington called the, uh, called Playground Productions Studio. It's a really great, like, little venue. And also, if you have recording needs or any type of rehearsal space needs or anything, it's, it's a very great place to do that. Like, uh, the guy that runs it, Adam, he's super, super friendly guy and he has a lot of space to work with and, and record. Uh, recording equipment and stuff like that. Very professional. Really excited to have it there. Um, again, Shocktober Irvington is a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. We've got films from Fair Creek Films, Innovative Illusions, uh, JPLX Elsewhere World, and we're also going to be uh, closing out the night with a special presentation of a film from uh, Witching Season Films, which they're not local to here, but they are uh, very... Uh, very, I'm a big fan of theirs, so, and I run the event, so <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. good with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, we're gonna be raffling off prizes and, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Check it out, shocktobernirvington.com. See you there. Um, and yeah, uh, do you want to go into potpourri? Totally. All right, so for this, uh, quick lightning round potpourri, uh, we're each gonna do one thing. Potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, anything that we've watched, anything we're looking forward to, whatever it is. Um, so Tiny, what do you want to bring up for potpourri? Uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, the movie The Neon Demon. It's the latest mm-hmm. from Nicholas Winding Refn, mm-hmm. uh, who I am a big fan of. I think he's right. a really incredible filmmaker. Um, the movie Driver was really good. Right. Um, had a great tone and everything. So, Drive or Driver? Drive. 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 Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Drive. He also did Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen. Oh, it's good. I know, I've heard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, based on those two movies, was excited for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I wish that would have panned out because this was a totally dog shit movie. Really? Really, really missed the mark on this movie. Oh, that sucks. Um, to start off with, it is a beautiful, beautifully shot movie. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous movie. The, the, nice. the colors and the tones and just like even the women in it. It's about models. So of course, mm-hmm. beautiful people. Uh, just just a gorgeous movie. It looked incredible, and I loved the camera work. Awesome, just awesome stuff. But it moved at a snail's pace. Jeez. So damn boring, and just Ugh. did not give a shit about any of the characters. Um, the premise of the movie is they're like this. This, this girl moves mm-hmm. to Los Angeles to break into the modeling industry and okay. become a model and, and get famous, and so. Um, that's a very exploitative and kind of dark, uh, industry mm-hmm. because it's, it's a very shallow industry and all that stuff. Um, and so she kind of gets wrapped up into it and like, she's this new hot young model. And so she makes other models, um, jealous and mm-hmm. like kind of starts stealing kind of their thunder and like, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, that's the conflict of the movie. Okay. Um, and it's just, it just gets so over the top and ridiculous. And it's like, it almost has this like, like he goes for like almost this supernatural angle at one point or towards the end. And it's like, if you would have just played it straight, like, again, I'm trying to do this without spoiling it, but if you would have just played the, played the ending straight, I think it would have been more chilling than what he was actually going for. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. It okay. ended up just being really stupid. 
and really boring and just like I, I I'll give credit to the actors. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, Elle Fanning was the lead and she's she's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Super Eight. If you've never seen Super Eight. The movie's okay. The performances are phenomenal in that movie. Mm-hmm. The kids are hysterical. Elle Fanning is like just rips her chest open and lets her heart hang out. Like she's awesome in that movie for being like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. She's a great actress. So like I was excited that she was in a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Um, she did fine. And then, um, the, there's two models who are actual models, I believe. Mm-hmm. Abby Lee and Bella Heathcote. I think they're actual models. I don't okay. know, but they acted in the movie and they did, they did a pretty good job. I mean, I was, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, nice. I wasn't expecting that at all. So I will give credit to the actors for making something out of what they had. Sure. Um, cause it, man, it was just so freaking boring mm-hmm. and just so weird. And like, I, I don't know. It, the, the biggest problem was the pacing. It just felt like, they went from one talking scene to another and it was like everyone was so like drab and like uh monotone. Mm-hmm. It was like, Oh, how was your shoot? Uh, it was good, but this happened. Geez. And that's, it was a an amalgam of, of scenes like that Ugh. interspersed with, with some physical stuff that was kind of chilling and kind of captured my interest, but that mm-hmm. was few and far between. It was just, Man, it was it was such a fail. I, I'm so bummed because I think he's he's one of my favorite up and coming directors, and mm-hmm. he's making a name for himself. But man, this was a piece of shit movie. That that's a bummer. I almost want someone else to see it. I, I want to talk to someone else about it, sure. just because like it's free on Amazon Prime. Okay, right. So I've seen it. That's on how there. I watch it. I also, full disclosure, I watched it like uh, six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, oh, the day, it was the day of my bachelor party. Yeah. Um, because I, I woke up and just couldn't get back to sleep. Right. So I was like, I'm just gonna turn on a movie and nice. Yeah. So I wanted to turn on something that would hold my interest because mm-hmm. I knew I was sleepy. Right. And it did hold. It didn't really hold my interest that well, but <laughs> man. I'm surprised it didn't put you back to sleep from the sound of it. I know. Yeah. It should have, but wow. I wanted to see what was going to happen. Cause like, sure. There's this tone throughout it of like impending doom and something yeah. like big is going to happen. Jeez. And like, that's what kind of kept me looped in, but mm-hmm. man, it wasn't good. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's funny because, uh, just today on, on Facebook, um, Brandon Peters, who I don't know if you, you know him. He's from the Colts and my cavalcade. Cavalcade uh, podcast. Mm, I don't think I know him really. Um, yeah, uh, I think probably met him at PopCon. But okay. Um, anyway, he he writes for a website called WhySoBlue.com, which is just uh, Blu-ray releases and reviews and stuff like that. Okay. So he um, <laughs> uh, he posted a uh, the announcement, the Blu-ray announcement for the movie Leap, uh, the animated movie Leap from some place um anyway he posted it with uh, like the post on facebook was if you loved the neon demon you're going to love l fanning's voice in leap <laughs> i thought that's really funny because i know a little bit i know enough about the neon demon to know that it's nothing like that type yeah of movie. yeah um but that's really that's that's really a, a bummer to yep. uh to hear that maybe eventually i'll check it out and and we'll talk about it mm-hmm yeah. Um, to kind of round out this, this segment of potpourri before we go to the extended potpourri, um, I watched Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later 
some time ago. Cool. And yes, so if you're not familiar with Wet Hot American Summer, it is, I believe the original movie was in 2000 or 2001. And okay, okay, so the movie's from 2001. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer's from 2001. It's set on the last day of camp in the summer of 1981. Um, and then, so this came out in 2001. Then in 2015, I think, they <laughs> released an update or a, uh, a limited series on Netflix called Wet Hot American Summer First Day of Camp, which essentially has the actors who were already too old to be playing, um, to be playing teenagers now 10, 15 years later going back and playing the characters on the first day of camp <laughs> of that same summer in 1981. It's, it's ridiculous, but it works so well. It's like that perfect, like, silly David Wayne humor yeah. that I don't think a lot of people will get. Right. But then after the success of First Day of Camp, they came back for 10 years later, which is them coming back in 1991 uh, as a reunion um, 10 years later. And it's it's hysterical. Like, it's, it's not as good as First Day of Camp, but it is very funny in its own right. Um, kind of one of the big things about it is that one of the actors in the show, in the show and movie, are, is, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh huh. And so for the movie, for 10 years later, and they don't reference this, like, at all, except for, I think, plastic surgery, but they just recast him as Adam Scott. <laughs> and, and probably that subplot with him and Michael Ian Black, like that is the one like running gag throughout the entire season or in the entire like limited series that is just so pitch perfect funny or I don't know about pitch perfect funny, but like the payoff to it is like, I'm still chuckling about it. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me. Nice. And there's a lot of stuff that's not going to make any sense if I talk about it, but it's, it's a really fun show that is, uh, is really funny and silly and, really stupid and like i love like i love when they break the fourth wall or they they poke fun at themselves like i'll give away one little part of it there's a cameo from um oh gar, crap what is his name fraser um um uh david hyde pierce there you go um he has a cameo where uh it's like they're um they are, it's using like a webcam or something and he's chatting with one of the characters and then at the, while getting the information and everything at the end of it, he just, he, uh, stands up, takes his mic off and he's like, all right, well, this was fun. Yeah. Uh, let me know how the rest of the shoot goes. And then he turns around and picks up an Emmy and walks, walks out the door. <laughs> he's like, let me know if you need anything else. It's like, it's it's hysterical. Like, that is great. Like those kind of gags. Like it happens a few here and there throughout the season, but it's like, it's really, really funny <laughs> <laughs> and so stupid. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, wet hot American summer, 10 years later, it's on Netflix and it's a lot of fun and silly. Nice. I've seen the original movie. I haven't watched yeah. the two new things yet. Nice. Did you like the original movie? I did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, what I recommend your homework Okay. Um, not that you have anything going on in the next 10 yeah, days. Yeah, nothing at all. Um, is to rewatch the movie and okay. then watch First Day of Camp and then watch 10 years later. Okay. Um, it's, 
you definitely watch the movie, rewatch the movie again. Yeah, I need to. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that will do it for this segment of the podcast. We're going to kick it over to our extended potpourri that we did weeks ago. So we will, you'll hear us talk about, uh, some documentaries and Dunkirk and some other stuff. All right. And here we go. This Halloween season, come to Nightmare on Edgewood, Indy's most intense haunted attraction. Experience the number one must-see haunt in Indiana for 2017, as voted by Nationwide Scare Factor Haunt Reviews. Edgewood has tons of new features for 2017, including the expanded big-top attraction, Carnival, the haunted movie house, Midnight Double Feature, and the resurrection of the Dark Maze Insanity. You can also escape the nightmare in their two escape rooms while you're there. Nightmare on Edgewood is open every Friday and Saturday night beginning September 29th, and the season runs through November 4th. For more information and to buy tickets, visit NightmareOnEdgewood.com. And follow Nightmare on Edgewood on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for weekly deals. Nightmare on Edgewood is conveniently located one mile south of 465, just east of US-31 on the Edgewood Baseball Diamonds. Nightmare on Edgewood. Sweet dreams are not made of this. Um, do you want to get us kicked off with uh, with extended potpourri? I would be ecstatic to get us kicked off. Nice. Ecstatic. Um, it's been a minute since we've done some extended potpourri, hasn't it? It has, and it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that because... Uh, the last time we did extend a potpourri, I never released the episode. Oh, really? Yeah, I have it. I think I still have it somewhere in my computer. I don't think I ever released it because I think something else came up that we recorded and then I just banked that one. I might, I might save it and, and post it. Uh, could be a bonus or something. Yeah, it could be maybe something for the week of your wedding. Kinda okay. Yeah. Do that'll that. Work. That'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah. it's good to, uh, clear the database from time to time if you will exactly yeah i don't know if yeah. that's proper terminology anyways sure uh my first entry for extended potpourri is the documentary netflix original documentary mm-hmm. icarus uh which came out this year uh, a matter of months ago um uh the documentary is essentially about uh doping in sports sports doping. oh interesting yeah um it's it's a really it's it's a very interesting documentary because uh it starts out with the filmmaker having a certain direction he wants to take the documentary and then it kind of turns into a complete 180 and they have to go a completely different way way with it interesting so brian fogel is the director and producer of it and he's also one of the uh main characters in this documentary he's a uh, an amateur cyclist Mm-hmm. Um, and he he enjoys cycling. He's very very good at it, um, <clears throat> but he's not he's not like a professional at it. Mm-hmm. And so he competes in the most grueling amateur cycling race every year. I think it's in France, and it's actually I think it's actually I can't remember if he said this or not, but it might actually be more difficult than the Tour de France. Really? Like it's really it's a really challenging thing, but it's amateur. There's no. Mm-hmm. There's no professional riders in it, and it's it's basically okay. for bragging rights, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he finishes in like you know out of like 150 racers, he finishes like in the 20s somewhere, wow. something like that. And so there's just this core group of guys that he cannot, he can just never beat. Mm-hmm. And so he essentially goes to one of the foremost um, doping experts in the world and is like, hey, 
I'm going to start doping and just see see <laughs> if it actually does anything and like what's the big deal with it? Does it have an adverse effect on my health? Does it actually give me that much of an edge? Wow. Are all these guys that I'm losing to every year just doping their minds out and that's why <laughs> I'll never beat them? Yeah. He's basically just like I don't I don't care what the legal ramifications are or anything. He's just like I'm just going to start doping and see what happens. It's like supersize me for doping. Yeah. In sports, it holy is. shit! That Except sounds it's, interesting. It's illegal, and uh, right. <laughs> and it's you know, it's it's not. It's yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Um, I was like, man, that is an, that is just an amazing idea for a documentary. Yeah, because you're, you're right. You know, someone's done it before with supersize me, mm-hmm. but it's like you're taking legal risks by doing right. This. It's, it's like I'm just gonna go ahead and just start selling marijuana just to see what it's like to sell marijuana. Like, Jeez, you know, it's crazy. Um, and so he meets this Russian scientist, uh, Gregory Radchenkov. Um, and he is the head of the uh, doping agency in in Russia. Okay. Um, he's he's the head of anti doping. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to be the guy that keeps Russian athletes from doping. Huh. Um, and so the, he goes to this guy, and this guy basically walks him through the process. Okay, here's how you dope. This is where you get the drugs from. This is how you beat the tests. This is how you right. game the system. Yeah, he's like, you need to start peeing in cups right now, and we're gonna start putting him in your freezer and wow. yeah. And like, he just walks him through the process and, um, partway through the movie, it turns out that this scientist gets, gets caught up in a, a, a worldwide investigation. Wow. And, and basically it comes out that, um, in Russia, the state government all the way to the top, AKA Vladimir Putin, um, has just been, sanctioning doping for Russian athletes for the last 30 to 40 years. Wow. And like, they basically just designed a system to, um, to, to beat, uh, testing and like pretty much every major Russian athlete from the Olympics or from any kind of international competition, um, the world cup, mm-hmm. anything you can think of, a, a disturbing majority of them are, just flat out doping. Jesus. Yeah. And, and they're getting away with it, uh, because of huh. this guy basically <laughs> gaming the system. Um, and he ends up, wow. he, yeah, he, and this was like right, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like right before Rio, the Rio Olympics okay. last year. It came out about this and, and this guy that's in the documentary, mm. um, was their lead witness. Cause oh. like I said, he's the head of anti-doping in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, yeah, it just it goes from there, and it it turns into this really wild investigation, and um, there's a lot of conspiracy around it because for whatever reason the Russian athletes were allowed to compete in Rio, mm-hmm. which was very controversial because you know basically there was evidence that all of them were doping. Um, so it's it's and it's just what's so fascinating to me about it is that it all they captured all of this event on camera. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they, it's not like a, you know, it's not like they came in after it happened and it started right. interviewing people. Like it, this, this story, this story broke while they were trying to film a whole different movie Jeez. and it just, they had to take a whole different direction with this documentary. It's just, it was really fascinating in that regard. Um, I, I kind of love it when that happens in a documentary. Cause absolutely. That, that's like, cause you get such a raw, like it, you know that none of it is like, played up to be dramatic or anything. It's like, this is them improv, like the filmmakers improvising their story, essentially Mm -hmm. or improvising how they react to the story. Right. Um, yeah, that's really fascinating. What's it called again? It's called Icarus. Icarus. Okay. It's really cool. And it's, it's based, it's, this is essentially the biggest conspiracy in the history of world sports. I mean, Jesus, it's, it's 30 or 40 years of state sponsored illegal activities. Wow. In regards to, 
sports. I mean, you know, it's it maybe doesn't seem like a big deal, but Vladimir Putin was like, yeah, sure, go ahead, dope all. I want all our, I want all our, like they had the the Winter Olympics in Sochi um, mm-hmm. a few years oh, ago, yeah. 2012 maybe or 14, sure. um, and it was a big deal to them. And basically, Vladimir Putin went to this guy and was like, look, we need to make a statement, so you need to find a way to cheat Jesus. to cheat the anti-doping and get all our athletes to win a bunch of gold medals. My god. Yeah, and the Russians did win that the most gold medals for that Winter Olympics, so. Wow. I mean, it's just that's, you know, it's a head of state mm-hmm. will, willingly breaking the law and Wow. I mean, it's it's just and they just stumbled into this yeah. story. It's it's really fascinating. Um I enjoyed it a lot. Wow, yeah, that's crazy, and that's a that's a Netflix like original documentary. Yeah, it actually it premiered okay. at Sundance, but then Netflix okay. bought it. So nice, yeah. I know at Sundance they like Netflix bought a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the last couple Sundances, I think. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. That sounds really interesting. It is. Um, yeah. So that's Icarus. It is on Netflix, and you know it's funny we mentioned. Uh, that we recorded an extended potpourri. I'm pretty sure that the two movies that I have on my list here are things that I talked about in that episode, but that's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to get us kicked off by talking about a trailer that I just saw for the first time today. Um, it's the trailer for the movie Downsizing from Alexander Payne, um, who he is a filmmaker that I am quite enamored with. Um, or at least I really enjoyed, um, uh, ne- uh, uh, Nebraska. Uh, huh. Um, I think that was like one of my top movies of the year. It came was. Out. Yeah. I remember that. 2013. And yeah, that was, um, <laughs> and yeah, that was just, that was an incredible movie to me. And so this is his next movie is called downsizing. Um, when I had heard about it, I had just seen that it was, um, a movie called downsizing with, with Matt Damon. Wow. It only has a 5.8 on IMDb. Oh, darn. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I thought I, when I saw it, I was like, okay, well, it's about a, a movie about, um, a, like a drama about a guy who is in a company that downsizes and, and he has to look for a new job or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I watched the trailer and it's not that at all. <laughs> it was really interesting. The trailer, uh, the plot description is a social satire in which a guy realizes he would have a better life if he were to shrink himself. <laughs> um, so judging from the trailer, it's just about a whole world where, uh, in order to combat the overpopulation of the earth, people just shrink themselves and essentially live as miniature people. And it's really, it looks like it's going to be really fascinating. Obviously, it's just a trailer, so I can't really go off of what it is. I, when I was, cause I watched it this morning and then I was getting ready for work and then I was sitting there thinking like, like I was, I was playing it over in my head thinking like, wow, I wonder what kind of, like, I wonder what the conflict of the movie is going to be. <laughs> cause the trailer is just like, Hey, yeah, let's just, let's shrink ourselves, honey. All right. Let, we're shrunk. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then, like, I kept thinking, like, I was thinking of the practical elements of it, like, like, like how, how you can really, uh, like, how, like, what is, what are the long term effects of this type of story yeah. or this type of world? And then all I thought was like, what would they do with natural disasters, like, oh. like hurricanes and 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 like thunderstorms and stuff? Because like oh, everything man. would be amplified and so much more 
terrifying. That's a good point. Yeah, so I kind of hope that the movie dives into that, but I don't, who knows? We'll see December 22nd. Um, it did just play at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, but we're in Indianapolis, so we didn't get to see that. Right. Yeah, so that's my first potpourri is just downsizing. It's something that is now on my radar, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah, I thought the trailer was fun. I, I And it's, you know, Matt Damon. So I was cool. also saying that to myself <laughs> yeah. when I was getting ready for work. <laughs> or like in a little squeaky voice, Matt Damon. Because he's so small. Enough. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Um, how did you feel about Nebraska? I feel like you didn't like it as much as I did. I didn't like it quite as much as you. Okay. I think it, w- it would have been an, it was an honorable mention, I think, mm-hmm. for me for that year. I think I saw it after... We did our episode. I think so too. Your interview episode, um, yeah. but I think it would have been an honorable mention for nice. me. Nice, it was good. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I need to see it again. It, it, the word that comes to mind, like if I, had, you know, like you had to describe the one, the movie in one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the word stark comes to mind. Yeah, it's just very boom. It's mm-hmm. like it's on its face. There's no, there's no. Uh, it's not dressed up at all. Right. Which, yeah, absolutely. Which I mean that in a complimentary way. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it was very, it didn't feel like a movie. You right. Know what I mean, kind yeah. of like a slice of life kind of thing. Yeah. There you yeah. go. With yeah. a little bit of like family drama. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, cool. So what's your next, uh, potpourri? My next entry is a mini series or limited series, whatever you want. I don't know, whatever they call them now. Um, it, right. it premiered on Investigation Discovery Channel. Okay. Which is not a sentence I thought I'd ever say. Right. Um, but it's called Manhunt Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be like a recurring series where they have like the Manhunt, cause it's Manhunt mm-hmm. colon Unabomber. Okay. Um, and so I don't know if there's going to be another Manhunt where they're, mm-hmm. you know, tracking someone else. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Sure. Um, but this one, uh, I, I was, it wasn't on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, uh, me and Paige saw the promotions for it. Um, I don't even know what we were watching, but because huh. we don't we don't watch anything on Investigation Discovery, right? Um, it may, it may have been something on the History Channel or, or mm-hmm. something or HGTV, something like that, which is sure. owned by the same company, I think. Okay, and so they were showing promos for it, and and I was just like, yeah, it just really wasn't on my radar. It seemed just kind of kind of meh. Um, is it is it a like a it is a dramatization, okay. scripted dramatization. That's yes. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it stars Sam Worthington and Paul Bettany. Um, uh, let's see who else is in it. Um, Mark Duplass uh, makes an appearance. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Jane Lynch uh, plays Janet Reno. Oh wow! Yeah, which is really, really good casting. But essentially, uh, the story is about. Um, it's an in-depth look at how an FBI profiler helped track down the Unabomber. Oh wow! Um, Sam, Sam Worthington plays the uh, the FBI profiler, okay. and um, yeah, it just wasn't on my radar at all because it, it just felt um, it felt a little too just investigation discovery is discovery ish. Right. Like it just felt like it was first forty eight or something like yeah. that. You know, like, like cold, cold case thing. files and just yeah, yeah. It just didn't seem. It just seemed so blase to me sure um i was i was incredibly wrong about that really this show is phenomenal nice um i hope it wins a ton of emmys and shit like it's it was fantastic um and if you have um if you have a cable subscription or whatever mm-hmm. um 
you can download the Investigation Discovery app and mm-hmm. watch it that way. Nice. Sign in. That's pretty common now on yeah. a lot of channels. Um, so just, yeah, use your login for your provider, um, and you can watch it through the app, which we had to do that a couple times because the recording got messed up uh, on our uh, DVR. So mm-hmm. um, I highly recommend going and watching it. It's eight episodes. It's eight hours, maybe eight and a half, mm-hmm. close to nine. Um, Paul Bettany plays Ted Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. Who's the Unabomber? Uh, Sam Worthington is the FBI profiler, and uh, it's the the case was just absolutely just fascinating mm-hmm. how how it played out, how they caught the guy, how the trial went. I mean, there there was literally the prosecution of Ted Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski at the time was completely unprecedented. Really, there was no no um, precedent, legal precedent whatsoever for the way that they caught him nice which is really interesting and it goes um, through the whole trial and everything too yes it does that's um, really cool it goes like, through catching him and it's everything yeah nice because um, the the unabomber was active for like 15 years 20 mm-hmm. years and they were fbi was hunting him for 15 or 20 years so i mean wow. it, was, it was a super long drawn out case and it just took forever to catch him and um it's it, th- this was just really amazing. I, I was shocked at the the dedication to uh, the dedication of the showrunners mm-hmm. for this show to like make these rounded characters and like play out through the whole like like uh, explore every facet of the story and mm-hmm. like there is an entire episode that is just character building for Ted Kaczynski. Wow. It is an entire episode where they go into his college years, a little bit of his childhood, and sure. it's it's composed in the form of him writing a letter, typing out a letter to his estranged brother. Oh, that's interesting. That he hasn't talked to. And so he's, he's almost like narrating over it mm-hmm. through the letter. It's, huh. it's so, so well done. And he's contemplating stopping sending bombs and mm-hmm. trying to like reintegrate himself into society. Um, wow. it's, it, it was the, that whole episode was just gold. I was blown away. Um, Sam Worthington to, to speak about the castle a bit, Sam Worthington is just kind of Sam Worthington. Mm-hmm. I I've never been especially impressed by him. Um, sure. I've never seen him give, give a performance that I was especially impressed with. Yeah. Um, but he's fine. There, he's fine. He, mm-hmm. he, he does a, a decent job here. Um, there's nothing, Nothing that really stands out, um, other than the fact that he, I think he just struggles with an American accent. Yeah. I, I can really hear it a lot. Ugh. Um, but that's, it didn't bother me that much, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the standout was Paul Bettany playing nice. Ted Kaczynski. Um, he is, he was really into the character. I think he lost some weight for the role because he was mm-hmm. very, he seemed fairly emaciated. Sure. Uh, throughout some of it. Um, made him look older than he is. Um, and he, he really just has that, that crazy, like borderline, borderline certifiably crazy mm-hmm. demeanor about him, wow. which I don't know if that's how Tech really was. I, I really didn't right. know much about him. Um, and, but he, he just really, really perfected the role and, wow. and dove into him incredibly well. Um, yeah, like I said, I highly recommend it. I hope it wins a bunch of awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, probably got, it's got to be the best thing Investigation Discovery's ever produced. <laughs> I can't imagine what else. Uh, well, tiny, <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did have the show The Shift, which was based in Indianapolis. Oh, that's right. It had IMPD homicide detectives? Yeah, followed them. Very true. Which 
you know, it that, was, was, that was okay. I, I watched okay. a lot yeah, of it. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah it was just okay, but, right. um, cause you know, local, Hey, yeah. Um, Kevin Spacey was yeah. a producer on it. I was just going to ask who was, who was kind of, uh, involved. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only director was Greg Yaitanis. I, I'm not familiar with him at all. Uh, uh, the name sounds vaguely familiar, but I might be thinking of someone else. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it was just, God, it was, it was so good. And like, I was not interested in it at all. Yeah. But Paige was like, I, I don't know. I think you'd like that. I was like, it's investigation discovery. Right. Totally being a snob about it. Like, sure. whatever. <laughs> with your ID, whatever. <laughs> um, and she was like, I, I think we should record it. I was like, all right, fine. We'll record it and mm-hmm. see if it's any good. And 20 minutes into the first episode, I was like, damn it. That's awesome. Damn it. She was right. And just <laughs> like, we, like it premiered, it premiered, um, it aired on Tuesday nights. Okay. Um, and like, I have to get up really early for work sometimes. Mm. And so, but we would always watch it Wednesdays. That's like, awesome. Like if we had to wait for Thursday, she was like, no, I want to watch it tonight. And like, That's I was awesome. the same way. And like, I would mm-hmm. like, she would be, she'd be working late and I'd be like, come home and let's have dinner so we can watch the Unabomber. That's awesome. We were super into it. Um, did you, okay. So go, before going into it, did you know much about the case or did you know how much did you nothing. know? Nothing. Okay. I knew, I know, I knew nothing about the Unabomber case. It just not, it was a little, it was a little bit before our time. We were kids yeah. when the trial happened kind of, um, <laughs> Honestly, like, it's funny because you say Unabomber and like literally the only thing I can think of is like my only frame of reference to the Unabomber is that he was a guy that was hiding in the woods yeah. and that's, that's pretty much like, I don't even know the context of the bombings right. at all. So I'm very intrigued by this. Yeah. He, and he basically, Ted Kaczynski was a passionate idealist. Okay. He lived, he lived in pretty much isolation in a cabin mm-hmm. that he built himself in Montana for 25 years. Okay. And that's where he oh. built all his bombs and he would drive or take a train for four hours to San Francisco mm. to send all his packages, all of his bombs. Wow. Yeah. So that's what, one reason why it was so hard to find him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's man, he was just a fascinating person mm-hmm. and a very, a literal genius, um, mm-hmm. a literal genius and just a, obviously disturbed, but, uh, right. Just a, a, an incredibly fascinating person, oh. um, a monster. I'm not. I'm not saying he's you right. Know, no, no, no. He's not like your new hero, or right? I'm just, not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. you you will be fascinated mm-hmm. watching this, and you should watch it. It's wow. It's really good. That yeah, that sounds like I'm I like I'm sold. Yeah. Um, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have like a cable subscription for it or whatever, <laughs> but I'll just borrow my mom's login ID and I'll get do it. That yeah, you can borrow mine. Okay, nice, yay! Yeah. I think actually, no, you don't have cable, do you? No, I don't have like I don't have that like right. I don't have a cable package. I just right. have local channels. See, I don't think you could, I don't think you could use yours. No, no, it wouldn't. I've I've tried it before. Like I oh, use, have you? okay, yeah. I, like I use my mom's for FX now to watch The Simpsons. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Um, okay. and before we go to my next one, uh, so the show's called Manhunt: Colon Unabomber. Yes. What other cases would you like to see them do if they did other seasons? Um, maybe the BTK killer, bind Ooh. torture kill, kill killer. Oh, that would be interesting. Um, that would be interesting. I don't know a lot about his case either. Right. But I think there was some legal precedent in that one as well. Okay. But I I'm, I don't really recall. Um, What else would maybe be a good one? Maybe the... The thing is, it has to be a good... It's you know, it's obviously about manhunt. It's about catching yeah. the person. It's not about right. how interesting the person is that was caught. Mm-hmm. That just happened to be a 
a good symptom of this case in particular. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure about hmm. what manhunts in particular were, were noteworthy. Right. Um, I know the, um, catching Pablo Escobar was, Oh yeah. Was very, uh, I think there were some legal precedents there. I think there were some really, really clever, interesting mm-hmm. work by the CIA and FBI to catch Escobar. Yeah. And I've been meaning to watch narcos. Yeah. They just, it started its third season mm-hmm. on Netflix. And like, I, I have friends who've told me to watch narcos like immediately, Yeah, but I need to, I need to watch that. And then I like, uh, one of our listeners, Monica, uh, has told me that I need to watch Fargo season two. Yeah. I need to watch Fargo. Yeah. And I feel bad because I haven't watched it yet and it's been months. (laughs) So if you're listening, sorry, Monica, (laughs) I'll get to it. I've watched four or five episodes of Narcos. It is very good. Nice. The guy who plays Pablo Escobar is incredible. Nice. So, and, uh, isn't Pedro Pascal in that? He is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's also very, everyone's good in it. Nice. uh, Yeah. It's, it, 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 that is a good show. And Paige and I are trying to, it's kind of that old thing that i've mentioned before where time feels like because it's an hour or hour long episode, yeah so it's trying to like uh, yeah trying to get through them <laughs> yeah gotcha page doesn't have the patience for it as much mm-hmm. neither, i mean neither the, do i the page sense pay yeah she yeah. doesn't have page sense don't tell her that i just don't want to yeah. be in the wedding <laughs> <laughs> so yeah please watch manhunt eat a bomber nice. it is i i and i'm worried that people didn't watch it Mm-hmm. which is an absolute shame because also to investigation discoveries credit, they clearly put a bunch of money into this oh, thing. Really? Like nice. they, they recreated his cabin mm-hmm. to like the most minute detail. That's awesome. And it was featured heavily in the, in the show. Um, and Very it's, cool. it was, it's just really good. Huh. It's really good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out. I'm going to, I'm going to watch Fargo and then yeah. Narcos <laughs> and then that I'll figure out, my own way to my own order to watch them and, and stuff. But yeah, I'll, yeah, that's on the list. Cool. Um, so next up for me is, um, Dunkirk, the nice. latest from Christopher Nolan, uh, came out in July. It's been a while since the, one of the problems with this episode or, or with this extended potpourri in, is that, uh, we've been talking so much about that one movie, um, that, that kind of cut into all of our potpourri. So, uh, if you want to hear us talk more about the dark tower, go to towerjunkies.com, but, or towerjunkiespod.com. Anyway, um, or buy any Stephen King book at local bookstores in Indianapolis because my business card is in all of them. <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, so, so I saw Dunkirk. And I kind of regret not seeing it in 70 millimeter and, and, and IMAX, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what's interesting is that I've been a fan of Christopher Nolan since Memento. Um, like I loved the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, I've said my piece about my, uh, disappointment with Interstellar, but, um, Inception, uh, is, is one of my like go to like, like uh desert island movies like that's mm-hmm. a movie I, I never get sick of and it's funny because throughout all of his movies throughout all of his like his entire career um not his entire career but for the most part like his non like his original films people always have a have like a reaction to it like oh how do you make sense of this movie because it's so mind-boggling and it's like it's it's not that hard they're just at a different level of the dream like just pay attention <laughs> yeah just pay attention just yeah. just do it that like it's, it's not that, like, they explain, like, Interstellar literally explains exactly what's going, like, in 
both Interstellar and Inception, the characters are explaining everything about the movie to you. Like, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. But Dunkirk is, interestingly enough, Dunkirk is the first movie of Christopher Nolan's that I came away from thinking, I kind of need to see this again to really understand what I just watched. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting because, um, and it, I'm, I don't think I'm spoiling it because I'm just talking about the narrative technique, but it's it's a nonlinear story. So there's a few different uh, – there's three different um, perspectives, and they all take place at different times. And th- some of them involve s- the same characters, I, th- I think. Okay. Um, so they're at different points. So like you'll see one character on the beach and then another and then that same character on a boat or something. Okay. And it's like it can it was kind of confusing and like it didn't take me until about halfway through the movie that I was like, "Oh, that's okay, that's what's going on." And also kind of the big thing about it was that each one ha- um each like uh each narrative thread um I think takes place over a different span of time. Like one is one mm. day, one's one hour, one's one week, I think. Okay. And uh, so all of it, like I, I'm really anxious to see it again because I really want to go through and like, look like watch it and, and be more present mentally to make sense of it because I think that it's brilliant. <laughs> I think it was a brilliant storytelling technique. I just need to watch it. So I understand what the fuck I saw, gotcha. but Dunkirk is like it's it's really incredible. Um I really enjoyed the movie. He has like it, it's not it's it's based on a real event obviously, the miracle of Dunkirk and by having it set in that it's like none of the set pieces feel like spectacle and neither should they. Uh-huh. Um like there are just these big moments where um where like uh like um Tom Hardy's character is a fighter pilot and he's like there are dog fights in it and it's uh it's a it, there's a lot there's a lot to it and there's not that much dialogue or characterization like it's not like you don't get the scene where they're like explaining like oh this character is one direction and he does this mm-hmm. um cuz Harry Styles is in the movie anyway oh uh, i don't yeah he was in one direction yeah yeah I, I know zip about that band. Wow. Well, that's just a sign of the times, Tiny. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> that's one of his songs. Anyway. Um, what is? Uh, a sign of the times is one of Harry Styles' oh, songs. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, it was interesting because, like, the whole movie, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, which one is which one is One Direction? Um, and... Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell who was who or anything. And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh, he played the character named Alex. Okay. Wait, who was Alex? <laughs> cause, cause like I didn't know like any of the characters names or anything. And that wasn't to the detriment of it. Cause I knew the storyline and everything. And there's some really, um, there's some really intense things about the movie that, uh, that goes on. I, I freaking loved, uh, Mark Rylance in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, like, I mean that guy. I I love him in really anything, but he plays such a great like character that basically is a, a civilian who's going going to Dunkirk to help the evacuation and everything. And he's got a couple of kids with him, and it's like he is such a he's such a noble person in the movie that it's just like it's his performance is, is really, really amazing. And I, I just, I just loved his uh, performance in that. Nice. Um, yeah. And 
I mean, it's it's been a while since I've uh, seen it, but just the um just uh, just the balls of it really the uh mm. the way that nolan created it without without regard to really the traditional narrative structure um which to an extent it, it was kind of to the detriment for me because i was tr- trying to make sense of what was going on but the depiction of each different like set piece i i, I almost said vignette but they're not really vignettes because they're they're like their own narrative thing and they all tie together, but, um, but their, their own, each one has its own core to it. And it's really, um, really incredible and really brings home just like the importance of what happened and, and how, like how just triumphant it was, um, in, in historical context, it was just, it was a really, really great movie. I, I really loved it. I can't wait to, to buy it. And, um, I'm glad that I can have a Christopher Nolan, a new Christopher Nolan movie that I'm not shitting on constantly. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, have you? I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't make it a priority to mm-hmm. see it. I, yeah. I mean, my mom even liked it, which she, she does not yeah. like Christopher Nolan movies. They're too complicated for her and mm-hmm. she's not usually a big, a big fan of them, but she, she saw it and she was like, you need to see it. You'll love it. I was like, I really do need to see it. Yeah. This and is a movie that you would, you would, yeah, you would love. I know. Yeah. I, I really, it's pretty much out of theaters now as far as I know. So yeah, there may be some straggler holding on somewhere, but uh, I think so. Yeah. I I, sh- I really wish I would have seen it uh, in the theater. Yeah. I really wish you would have too. Yeah. <laughs> It still says it's in... Oh, well, Tiny, it is still at Shiloh. Is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, and Trader's Point. Holy cow, I'm going to go see it. And uh, that place on the south side that I always go to, Southern Plaza. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if you go see it, I'll go see it with you if you want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I might try to squeeze it in. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere. Um... Yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, you know, whatever. Just, you know, hit me up. Hit, hit you, HMU, HMU. Yeah, HMU. Wait, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that's Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, and I made the smart-ass comment like a few years ago. Um, I think it was a couple years ago when it was announced. Um, I sent, I think I sent you a text message and I posted it on Instagram at some, uh, Instagram at some, wow. I posted it on Instagram at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it was a smart ass comment saying, um, like, oh wow. So he's making, so Christopher Nolan is making a, a World War II movie about the evacuation of Dunkirk. You know, I bet there's going to be a character named Kirk, who's like representative of like, he's, he's a representative of the, of, of Dunkirk itself. And then someone's going to be really sick of him and say like, Hey, you know what? You're done Kirk. And then, cause he puts a lot of stuff that's really on the nose that, that didn't land anyway, but yeah. there was no character named that way in the, in the movie. So it wasn't anything like that. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, so that's, so that's Dunkirk, uh, Tiny and I might go see it, uh, I think, I don't know if he, if he wants to, I don't know. Okay, uh, we'll we see. We can't, we can't. If, uh-huh. if you're good. Okay. Can you, can I get popcorn? <sighs> you gotta be really good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
and soda. Okay, what's your next one? <laughs> not not doing so good so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, up next for me, uh, it's another documentary. Uh, sorry, uh, really, oh, we really, know you. <laughs> really not. Yeah, I was gonna say really not out of character for me. No, um, but uh, it's called Chasing Coral. It came out this year in 2017. Is it based um, on? Is it a behind-the-scenes documentary about the prequel to Finding uh, Finding Nemo? Well, the prequel to Finding Nemo and the sequel to Finding Dory, where they're uh, finding uh, no whatever, to whatever you're about to say. No. Nemo's mom, Coral. <laughs> no, it is no, not okay. that. Um, I thought you were going to say, is it like a a sequel to the walking dead. Oh, I was, I should have said that. Yeah. Coral's missing <laughs> and they're trying to chase him down. Um, no, it is a documentary. Uh, it, it closely resembles the 2012 documentary. Hang on. Called chasing ice. Oh. Uh, 2012 documentary. Chasing is that ice. About chasing the sword that Ned Stark had at the beginning. So basically, uh, both documentaries are, <laughs> No, um, both of these documentaries go hand in hand because they kind of have the same premise, but it's just okay. with different parts of nature, if you will. Sure. Uh, Chasing ice, they set up cameras around the world where there are glaciers and ice formations that are disappearing because of global warming. Mm-hmm. And they document. They had cameras sitting there for months and months, sometimes years, documenting receding ice. Wow. Um, and it was very well done, really really cool. I think it was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Might have won. And I don't know if it won an Oscar, but, um, so it's really fantastic, uh, in that regard. It's, it's crazy to, to see the impact that that's having. Mm-hmm. Well, coral, uh, around the world is also dying at a disturbing rate. Wow. Um, and the way that it represents itself is, uh, you know, coral is very colorful and vibrant and it's, it's like, it's basically like a jungle under the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happening is it's bleaching white, and all of the wildlife that serve, lives around it uh, is just disappearing and going going elsewhere wow. um, as a place to live. And it's really, really sad and depressing. Um, and so scientists studied it, and the only way, you know, they were trying to figure out, you know, how, how to recreate that. They, so they mm-hmm. took live active coral, and they're like, how, why is it doing this? Why is it bleaching? And they t- ran all these tests on it, and the only way that they can get it to do that is by turning up the temperature in the water. Oh. So it is a direct result of warming water, which is global wow. warming. Like there's there's basically no other explanation for it. Jesus. So without a question the water is getting warm. I know it's a very controversial subject global warming, but mm-hmm. like this is it's it's pretty definitive um uh, unless they're just completely full of shit in the documentary. <laughs> um but it's it's very definitive and so they did the same thing in this. They took uh, part of the fascinating very fascinating part of the documentary is that they had to create a camera that you can just leave underwater for months at a time. Wow. Which is very, obviously a huge challenge to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was some trial and error that they documented in the, in the, uh, in the movie, Hmm. but they actually brought in also, there are quite a few challenges with ice, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the environments in which glaciers exist is, are incredibly harsh. Right. Um, so they actually brought in some of the same camera technicians from that first documentary to construct camera rigs for this movie. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean the, it's, it's really, it's really sad. The great coral reef off the coast of Australia is like, it's, it's officially dead pretty much, um, which it was, it was one of the one, literally one of the wonders of the world. It's Mm -hmm. like a, I think it's like a thousand mile stretch of this coral, this living, breathing jungle. And it's, it's like 70 or 80% dead. Wow. It's, it's just really depressing. Um, really sad. And, um, you know, they environment 
environmental scientists tell us that if the oceans die, the whole world dies because mm-hmm. that's it's such an integral part of the global ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is kind kind of a a symptom of dying of a dying ocean, which is. It, it's scary and it's kind of a bad thing. Yeah. Obviously, it's not it's not a feel good movie, but uh, I think I think it's just it was really cool to see how they captured this footage. I think that was my favorite mm-hmm. part of it. The, these rigs that they designed to keep cameras underwater for months at a time was uh, was really interesting. Um, and in one one place, uh, one part of the world where they were filming this. Um, their camera rig kept it kept failing and just failing and failing and mm-hmm. failing and so they didn't they were like screw it we're just going to basically put up these couple guys in a hotel and they're going to dive every single day and take pictures at the same places wow um and so they were there for like 60 days 90 days huh. and they were also documenting them obviously documenting themselves mm-hmm. taking these pictures and it was very one of them was, uh, it was the most heart-wrenching part of the of the documentary was this guy who Every single day he would get on a boat for eight, ten, twelve hours and just dive and take pictures, take pictures of death. You know, after, if you think about it, he's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like filming something that's dying. And he, like, he basically talked about how it had like an emotional impact on him because it's just, he's just surrounded by negativity for eight or ten hours every single day. And it was like, I just, I felt bad for the guy. And I was like, man, I bet that is super hard. You know, I mean, you're talking about a, it's like watching a tree rotting, you know, that's right. kind of how you th- think about it. But I guess if that's all you did, yeah, that would probably have a, a negative impact on your, your psyche and wow. how you operate as a person. So, I, I mean, it, just seeing that impact was, was pretty, pretty fascinating and pretty cool. So, huh. um, it's, it's a good documentary. It's also on Netflix. Nice. I enjoyed it. Um, it's worth a watch. Yeah. It sounds like it. Do you, did you like it be- more than chasing ice or? I actually prefer prefer Chasing Ice. I think, I think Chasing Ice has a really big smoking gun at the end of it. Oh, Um, yeah. They're up in, they're one of the poles, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they actually, it's like, there's like no other footage like it in the world. They filmed a chunk of ice Mm -hmm. the size of Manhattan, Manhattan Island, breaking off from a glacier. And like it, t- oh. it takes like ten. It's so big, it takes like ten minutes for it to break off and fall into the ocean. Wow! It it's, it sounds like a thunderstorm because it's just it's it was just incredible to see it. That's nuts. Yeah, and I think the the, the documentation uh, is a little more um, grandiose. Mm-hmm. The 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 footage they got for the coral was very compartmentalized. Okay, and so you're only seeing like you know. 20, 30 square yards of coral. Sure. Uh, degrading over time. But with, with chasing ice, you're looking at a giant glacier that's like the size of a town. Wow. You know, and you're watching it recede and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I actually prefer chasing ice just a little bit, a okay. little bit more. Um, but they're, they're both very good. I think they're, they both may still be, I know chasing corals on Netflix. I don't know if chasing okay. ice is still on there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line is we're all going to die and the yeah. planet's going to die too. I know it's a very controversial uh, subject and it's very politicized, but, mm-hmm. and you know, I tr- I really try to examine both sides of an argument, but I just, mm-hmm. I just don't know. I just can't bring myself to deny climate change because there's right. just so much evidence. <laughs> like there cannot be this many people lying to you. I, I just, mm-hmm. I can't see how, I can't see how it's uh, it can be denied anymore, but you know. Well, I mean, you got to think about it, Tiny. We, you know, we have so many people lying to us about the fake news. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to go with the the world not being flat, but <laughs> yeah, you know, 
No kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. In like, in my head, like when you're when you're saying like I know it's highly politicized and everything, I'm like I, I just want to just be like, yeah, you know, science is very controversial. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like actual science with data and everything. Ninety-seven percent scientists. Um, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So that's our look at our the death of humanity mm-hmm. and uh so bringing up <laughs> somewhat on the same subject my next potpourri is uh war for the planet of the apes <laughs> um which is the concluding chapter of the latest trilogy for planet of the apes franchise this remake reboot whatever um so it basically follows caesar as he and his apes are at war with humans, uh, there is, uh, a villain character in, uh, Woody Harrelson, um, who plays, and it's been a while since I've seen this. Um, Woody Harrelson plays the Colonel, so he doesn't actually have a name. Hmm. Um, and it's just, it's, I think, I think at the end of the day, I loved Dawn of the Planet of the Apes more. Like I, I enjoyed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes a lot more than uh, than War for the Planet of the Apes. But I think that in terms of a concluding chapter of a of a storyline and of a of a trilogy, this was very very good. Nice. Um it was a very good conclusion to the story of Caesar Caesar and the apes and and it was uh it was really it was really an emotional an emotional journey. Um again I think I think Dawn was just a lot better for me because it kind of was a little surprising how great that was. Mm-hmm. But this was a worthy, you know, concluding chapter. It definitely had, um, going forward, uh, the, um, I want to, wow, the, the, um, performances, the digitized performances. Um, mm-hmm. uh, motion see, capture? Yeah, the motion capture. Okay. I kept wanting to say animatronic. Why? <laughs> uh, no, the motion capture performances were incredible. Like, with each one of these movies, you see just, you can see on screen just how much they're pushing the envelope of technology. Right. And it, it looks glorious in, in this movie. Um, and this it's, I mean, it is a war for the planet of the apes. Like they are <laughs> at war with humans and the, like the opening sequence is fascinating. Cause it's like a, it's like a jungle warfare battle. And it was just, it was really fascinating to me. And the way that they incorporate some of the apes into the humans side of it is really interesting and really, uh, there's a lot of like drama at the heart of this movie and that, that really came through really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I it's a, kind of a brief review, but I don't really have much else to say, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I'm definitely going to be buying it. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really good concluding chapter and it's fascinating because I mean, you're rooting for the apes to, you know, survive and everything it's like it's the death of humanity too but you know right um in the way it pays homage to the original franchise um it does that in in a lot of really good ways and plays with um um it it really dives into caesar like kind of the heart of the movie is caesar's battle within himself to not become like koba and and not become ruthless and and actually actually preserve his 
humanity um, huh. with an asterisk. Um, <laughs> it's uh, and it's it's like I mean the the links that he goes through and and the story at the center of it is really pretty heart wrenching and and really uh, really fascinating and really well done. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was it was really good. Nice. Yep. Um, do you want to go next? Yeah, uh, my last entry will, will be kind of brief uh, for for this extended potpourri. Um, mm-hmm. Gore Verbinski's A Cure for Wellness, which okay. came out in 2016. Um, I I thought the trailers looked really cool for this, and mm-hmm. you know, Gore Verbinski's been doing the whole Pirates of the Caribbean thing for so long, yeah. and you know, I just I kind of forgot about him as a director mm-hmm. and everything, and so I was like, I'm I'm really interested in this, um, and I I actually ended up liking the movie quite a bit. Um, nice. I think it's probably I mean it's got like a 6.4 on IMDb, which isn't great, but it's sure. not terrible either. Um, I, I'm not sure how well received it was, but I thought it was just really creepy. Really? Um, and just, it's, it's creepy and it's scary. It's, it's disturbing. Mm. It's really gross at a lot of wow. places. Um, but at the same time, it's just a really beautiful movie. Nice. Um, just cause it, it's, it's some vintage Gore Verbinski. He, he uses mm-hmm. his camera really, really well. Um, and the, the sets, it's, it takes place in like this, very idyllic, beautiful mountain town in like Sweden mm-hmm. somewhere. Was it Sweden? Uh, so yeah, Swiss Alps. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, or Switzerland, not Sweden, Switzerland. Switzerland. I, I get those two confused all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's just idyllic. It looks like a painting and, uh, and it's this, like in this old, it's set in this old hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just like an immaculately, kind of spotless movie which is a weird way to put it um and then it'll just have these really disgusting things gross odd weird disturbing things happen in this incredible setting um i just enjoyed that juxtaposition if you will um yeah it's it's i really recommend it it's like it's like it's gross but you want to be grossed out i guess because like you're you're fascinated by it or you're Mm -hmm. like it's like how far can, how much of this can I stand? Sure. It's kind of like an, it's almost like an endurance movie in that respect. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I, the trailer kind of gave me vibes of like Shutter Island. Yes. Okay. Very much so. Um, at least that aesthetic anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's a horror. It's a horror movie w- without question. Um, and I, I enjoy the performances. Uh, Dane DeHaan is just mm-hmm. an incredible upcoming actor. Nice. Big fan of his. Jason Isaacs is one of my favorite actors. Oh, yeah. Um, he plays the villain in it. Mm-hmm. Um, an actress named Mia Goth. Uh, I was not familiar with her at all, but yeah. she apparently she's engaged to Shia LaBeouf. Oh. All right. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Um, she's kind of the female <laughs> female lead. She was she was really good. Um and then there's just a ton of uh a very big supporting cast of uh kind of ancillary background characters who have a line here or here or there, but like I just couldn't take my eyes off the movie. I was just very nice. enamored by it. But I can I can I can understand why story wise it kind of has a an odd meandering story and I think I, I can understand why it would not be that well received by a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I can sort of understand the 6.4 rating on IMDb, but, uh, sure. I, I would give it like a really solid seven and a half or eight. Like I, nice. I just, I just enjoyed it. I, I think, I think it's a very unique idea for a movie. Um, and just, I, I don't know. I, I think I was just really in the mood for like a, a weird, like, 
how much of this movie can I take kind of movie to sure. watch? I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, nice. But I enjoyed it. And I, I recommend people see it. I, I guarantee I, I could ask 10 people about it. Mm-hmm. And so many of them would say it was it was just too gross or i just didn't yeah. like it it was too weird for me but then <laughs> I, I still think there'd be one or two people that were like yeah i liked it it was so odd in a good way nice so that's that's just how i reacted to it sweet i liked it did a lot. you did you rent it like, i did on demand? i think i got it from amazon okay okay and streamed gotcha. it from my phone yeah okay sweet uh yeah that's a cure for wellness and then i'll round us out with a quick uh <laughs> uh quick uh discussion about how i'm excited about this movie uh again mm. it's coming out in december i think it's uh, the disaster artist yes yes tiny have you ever seen the room i've still never seen it oh my god it is so great it's because i want i think i want to see it in the theater mm-hmm. but i think I, I think i'm just gonna have to rent it or something yeah to watch it before this comes out because this trailer i'm just like holy shit this looks like it it's fascinating because yeah. Um, because like I posted it in the Facebook group, which you can go to at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and, uh, uh, listener and guest from our it review, mm-hmm. uh, Matt and Draco said like, this looks like this could be a complete, uh, um, how did he phrase it? Like, uh, a train wreck. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's fascinating because if you see this trailer without the context of how just terrible and weird yeah. the room is, it's going to be like, kind of over your head and, yeah. and kind of weird. Um, but like James Franco in this trailer just freaking nails Tommy Wiseau's yeah. like weirdness. And it's like, Oh man, I, I just can't wait for this movie. The full trailer is out now. Um, it looks like it's going to be amazing. Like it looks like it's going to be hilarious, but also kind of, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be some heart to it mm-hmm. about just, people with no talent making a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's just it's oh my god, I can't I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, Apparently Tommy Wiseau was is like 100% on board with it. I I saw that headline. Yeah. I didn't read the article, but yeah, I saw that and that's awesome. He was like a consultant for it. Probably, yeah. I, I saw I saw like an interview where they had uh the Franco brothers and then the two people they're playing in the movie. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau and they were like doing an interview and like basically during the interview James Franco was doing an impression of Tommy Wiseau while he was sitting right next to Tommy Wiseau. That's so awesome. It was, I, like, and I was just dying laughing because he's just <laughs> using his, his weird affectations yeah. and his, his odd accent and mm-hmm. his broken English. That was, it was so funny. <laughs> I was like, man, that's ballsy as hell. Oh yeah. Cause he looks like the kind of guy that would just start choking you or something. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm committing myself to watching the room and then going yeah. and seeing the movie in the theater. Oh yeah. I'm going to like force you to see the room yeah. in some way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I saw, I've seen it in the theater twice. Okay. Uh, I went to a midnight screening a few years ago and it was, it's phenomenal like yeah. to see it in the theater because not to give anything away, but, um, there is like part of the set is this framed picture of a plastic spoon. Right. And it's like, it's, there's no, like, it's no, no idea. No right. idea what the fuck that's supposed to be. <laughs> but like people at the, at the screenings and stuff, like they bring, they bring boxes of plastic spoons and anytime it's on screen, they just throw it at the screen. <laughs> that's great. And like people just like, they repeat lines and it's like in unison, everyone saying like everything, like, it is so phenomenal. Yeah. And then the second time I saw it in theaters was for a riff tracks, uh, uh-huh. live one. Um, it was obviously pre-taped and everything, but it was like, they were riffing the movie and it was, it was 
unbelievably funny. Nice. Like it's it's such a blast. Definitely see the room. Okay. And I'm so excited to see the disaster artist when it comes out. All right. Well, that was extended potpourri, and uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, Tiny's getting married. I am. Yes, and I don't know. Oh man, we should do like a wedding movies episode. Ah, uh, uh, opportunity. I know, right? Yeah. I don't even know what I have scheduled for next week. <laughs> um. Oh, Jesus Christ! Next week is our Shocktober and Irvington episode. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this Friday is Shocktober and Irvington. Next week we'll have the recording from the event there, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll have more later. Also, check out Anthology at anthologypod.com. Uh, Solo Side Project Podcast, where I discuss the Twilight Zone and other uh, science fiction anthology shows. And check out our side project podcast, uh, Tower Junkies. We're going to have a review of Gerald's Game, Mike Flanagan's adaptation of Stephen King's uh, book. And uh, we have more stuff, more fun stuff to come. Find that at towerjunkiespod.com. And uh, yeah, having said that, I think we're good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you Friday. Thanks. Or, yeah. See you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We are a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcast. Wait, I messed that up because I was hadn't loaded up my stuff yet. Yep. Um, I'll just take it again. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. Oh, no, that's not how I did it. Um, okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. Where we- Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. 
Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.